Hello, Zemo here. We're back to talk about the bird and Sabaki and how cool my fashion sense is and how Nucap is a fucking loser. Strap in for this episode of the Infinity Watch Podcast. gosh there we go (laughs) i was gonna try and be serious after that but i'm having trouble (laughs) all right sam made his way in front of bucky oh he tilted his head looking into bucky's eyes crouching slightly to meet his level hi jamie he said with a smirk bucky's face grew redder at this as he tried to look at anything but sam noticing this sam lightly grabbed bucky's chin turning it toward him and looked him into the eyes. You want to kiss me, don't you, Jamie? Bucky's face reddened even more, if possible. Fuck you, Bucky said, feeling his heart beat out of his chest. Oh, I bet you want to, Jamie, but that's going to have to wait. Sam's smirk only grew larger. Bucky rolled his eyes and met Sam's lip forcefully. This caused Sam to back up slightly, allowing Bucky to stand up and push Sam against the wall. This kiss was much more passionate than the last. Bucky rested his hands on Sam's waist, continuing to push him into the wall, while Sam's hands were on the other's back, pulling him closer. Bucky bit Sam's lip, and Sam allowed him to deepen the kiss. He let Bucky take full control. <laughs> there you go. There's there's a little bit of shit, Sam, that hurts by you're a Sith Lord Harry. <laughs> shit, Sam, that hurts? <laughs> Oh my god! I was debating uh, reading that bit of fan fiction, or there's a previous scene in which they have a pillow fight, and I wish I was joking about that. Oh Welcome to the Infinity Watch podcast. What an intro from uh, both the Baron Zemo and then some <laughs> Bucky and Falcon fan fiction. There, my name is Tommy. I'm joined by my lovely co-host Eric, and this week we are joined again by four-time guest. Our, our resident guest, if we may call him that, Chris McGraw. Welcome back to the podcast. Wow, I, I, I need to, uh, I think I need to go talk about my feelings with someone. <laughs> did, that, did that bring up some emotions in you, just hearing that back and forth exchange? It didn't bring up emotions, and I think that scares me more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the amount of, I, okay, so I was a little late to the podcast uh, this afternoon because I was just looking through all this Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes fan fiction and trying to like figure out what I wanted to read. It took me like a half hour. There's so much. There's the, so much. We were uh, talking about that last week. That's uh honestly I'm I'm glad to have that confirmed. That's <laughs> I mean, I assume that would be the case, but uh that's absolutely hysterical. I love that there's a shitload of it. I hope that Shit, tickled Sam, everyone's. that hurts. I will never be able to get out of my head. That is the funniest <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah, I, I should probably keep reading it because I'm sure it gets a little bit juicier than that. Oh, they have a man. whole argument about how how Bucky doesn't want to be called Jamie. But uh, <laughs> yeah, welcome to the Infinity Watch podcast. This is episode 12, season two of the podcast here. This week, we're here to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode three. But uh, before we get into that, we will jump into news and what's going on this week. Um, a few trailers dropped 
Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it. I didn't watch it because I have an anti-trailer stance now, but a, a brand new Black Widow trailer uh, just dropped this weekend. Um, that's supposed to have a bunch of new footage in it. So I think it's the start of the new marketing campaign for the July release of Black Widow. Wow. I did not watch it, but it's not because I'm anti-trailer. It's because I couldn't care less. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Apparently, uh, the, one of the stars from the James Bond film, Quantum of Solace, her name is uh, Olga uh, like Kory, Korolenko or something along those lines. She is actually... Uh, in the movie i think she shows up in the trailer and so um yeah i'm not gonna watch it the trailer because i i'm tired of things being spoiled i think the joke in the last episode of the sh of falcon and winter soldier was kind of spoiled for me from that last little trailer we watched but yeah. uh yeah we'll see i don't know it's coming up so the other trailer i don't know if you guys saw this i did watch this one was the new space jam trailer with lebron james yeah, in it. yeah same did you guys see it I did not, uh, not because I'm anti-trailer, but because I <laughs> <laughs> oh go. <laughs> I actually really kind of am excited about this movie in, in some sense. I don't know. It just like looks fun. It looked fun. It also, yeah. It also looks like like the new version of Ready Player One, kind of, because there's like all these other characters referenced yeah. in this universe. Uh, Don Cheadle shows up and I was like, mm, Don Cheadle, okay, got it. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, I don't know. This was really cool. I really like the Looney Tunes characters personally. Um, I, Eric, I don't know what you thought about the trailer. I will just say the one thing I hated, what, it's called Space Jam, A New Legacy. And I just hate that title. <laughs> I don't know like what <laughs> I would have named it instead, but it's just like, it sounds like a title for like a shitty comic book movie. Um. And I don't know. I just like just call it like Space Jam. Again. There you go. Just I don't know. Just, just yeah, just call it Space Jam. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Like they could both have the same title. I guess. I don't know. I just didn't like the title. But what do you think? So yeah, I thought it looked really fun. Uh, the title doesn't really bother me. I am wondering though, especially after watching that trailer, if there's gonna be literally any references to the original movie, or if this is more like a reboot, because it seems to me like a reboot, kinda. Yeah, yeah, it's like they kind of go into some weird universe. Yeah, and and it's nothing. It was interesting. Yeah, I don't. And granted, I haven't seen the original Space Jam in many, many years, but I think I remember the main points, and I. Uh, like very different setup at some point in the trailer the like lebron james goes to looney tune world and there's somebody makes a reference to like yeah here's here's where like the losers go and it's like yeah but like the only other giant basketball tournament in this universe we know of they won so why, so why would they be like where the losers go or whatever the fuck they said? I don't remember, but it it really made me feel like uh, this was a straight up just unconnected to to the first movie. Oh, yeah, and know, they I changed actually... the website. So fuck you, Warner Brothers. Oh no, yeah, no, they did. Not. Yes, they did. That's that's the uh -huh. dumbest thing. That's the dumbest thing about it for sure. That website had been up since 1996. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, some ridiculous amount of bullshit oh my god i hate it you know what i like lebron james way better than michael jordan because michael jordan just seems like through and through a complete a-hole but um 
man, I don't know that I'm going to watch that movie now, now that I know they changed the website. <laughs> yeah, it is a bummer. It's a huge bummer. To your point, though, Eric, you know, like one thing I was actually kind of thinking about this this weekend and I was, t- I was tweeting about it a bit, too, is like like everything you said is like completely valid. But it's like I almost like don't even want them to like explain it. I don't know. I feel like yeah, I, I think feel it'd like be movies fine now like trip over themselves trying to explain like how everything makes sense. When it's just like if it's a good story, I don't really give a fuck, you know, totally. I think I would have cared a lot more if it wasn't like it was like 20 years ago. Right. Like who? Yeah, you know, almost thirty. Yeah, yeah, twenty-five. Yeah, it's that's more than enough time to just uh, everybody. No one cares enough about Space Jam for the writers <laughs> to need to focus that hard on continuity. Well, actually, this breaks the continuity of the original film. You know, it's everyone online now. It's so fucking dumb. Yeah, like Kate and I were just watching Jurassic Park the other night, and. The T-Rex comes out and attacks the cars. He just, like, walks out of the, like, like where he's closed up in it or whatever. And then he walks away. And then they all fall down into the T-Rex paddock where they, like, it's, they have to go down, like, 50 feet. But in the scene before, the T-Rex just walks out. It's not like there was a 50-foot drop in the scene before. And no one cared in 1993 <laughs> because it was a good fucking movie. And now they'd be like, well, the continuity doesn't... You know what? Who cares? That movie is great. It's way better than any of the Jurassic World bullshit. And who cares if it has continuity errors? It's still a great movie. I don't know. I do think just like overall Hollywood kind of in general, I feel like there's so many kind of quote-unquote unwritten rules now of like how serialized stories are told and like how fast you should like you know tell a story progress a story or do this do that i feel like it's kind of bogging down some things a little bit and so it's like yeah let's just like have a good story and move on um and so i hope that movie turns out good because i enjoyed the first one it's like a silly premise but it's just supposed to be fun so the trailer looked really fun and so i'm I'm excited about it yeah agreed all right this next one i saw the title and you know everyone on every news site wants to write a title that just gets you to click, right? And click in and read the article. This is like the first time I was like, wow, okay, I have to actually read this because this title was hilarious. This article title says, Avatar director James Cameron threatened to fire sequel writers for initially trying to, quote, create new stories. (laughs) And I just thought that was hilarious because he doesn't create any new stories. So apparently this is is what he said on a podcast. He said, when I sat down to write the sequels to Avatar, I knew there were going to be three at the time, and eventually it turned into four. I put together a group of writers and said, I don't want to hear anybody's new ideas or anyone's pitches until we have spent some time figuring out what we worked on in the first film, what connected, and why it worked. They kept wanting to talk about new stories. I said, we aren't doing that yet. Eventually, I had to threaten to fire them all. Because they were doing what writers do, which is to try and create new stories. I said, we need to understand what the connection was and protect it, protect that ember and that flame. And I'm just rolling my eyes. Hardcore. (laughs) Was there a Fern Gully 2 that he could rip off? (laughs) Pocahontas 2. That exists. Right, right? yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, the first Avatar wasn't a good movie. It was a spectacle. That's why it made so much money. And I'm sure the sequels won't be good movies. I'm sure they'll be fine. Like, I'm I'm sure they won't be the worst movies ever. Although, 
the cast does look like just some kind of like CW, like 90% 12 year old cast. So uh, that does not inspire much hope. So maybe it will be like genuinely bad, but I think it probably will just be fine. And it's uh, he probably should have let his writers create new stories. Yeah, it's funny because like like, OK, it's like it was like the like the highest grossing film of all time for a long time. But, like, no one cares about any of the people in that movie. Yeah. I can't name a single character's name from that movie. I haven't rewatched that movie in the last decade, probably. You know, it's just, I don't know. He he got lucky, I think. And that's really it. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I mean, it, there, he, like, he pushed for the movies, 3D though. stuff. So it's yeah. like, it was, you know, that, that was his call, I'm sure. And that is the reason for the, uh, it's earnings. But... Yeah, uh, 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 yeah, definitely agree. It's just wild. I don't know. I just can't comprehend the fact that there's four sequels coming out now. And the movie is, what, like at least 12 years old or something? And I don't know. It just, we'll see, four I guess. Maybe he'll shock us all. Who the fuck greenlights four sequels? Like, uh, don't you want to put one out, see if people care? Because I can't right. imagine they will. I mean, maybe I'll have egg on my face. Maybe this will be another, like, highest grossing movie ever somehow. But I fucking doubt it. I mean, it yeah, took I mean, almost a decade, if not more than a decade. I can't remember when Avatar came out. But it took around a decade of inflation for a movie to top it. Yeah, right? it came out in 2009. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a lot of reasons right there for a Hollywood exec to greenlight for, for sure. Like, but like you have to look that look at it in the context of how it happened, though, too. You know, it's just like to people that became like going to like a like a exhibit somewhere. It was an experience because of like the 3D and the CGI was just like changing. But like, I feel like that's not the case anymore. I don't know. I would I would love to have egg on my face with Eric here, too. I just like I feel like so many sequels to movies and stuff did just all fail all the time. And so I don't know. To green light it, like a trilogy, maybe okay, but like four, <laughs> come on, it's wild. Didn't they film all four at the same time? Probably, yeah. So, we're talking like a billion dollars roughly for a budget, I'm guessing, for four movies like this. Yeah, just looking it up online. So, like, they're gonna make that back. That's like not a question. Four movies are gonna make that back. Yeah, four Avatar movies specifically are going to make that back for sure. I think a lot of them were like filmed underwater too. Like they had like these actors holding their breasts for like seven minutes at a time. And man, does that just not seem worth it to me? I mean, yeah, I'm, there's I'm, no way it was actually seven minutes, right? Like that's ridiculous. No, no, I think it actually was. <laughs> let me uh, let me go on record and say I don't think there's any way that for these four movies combined come even close to a billion dollars. All right. I uh this gives me like Maze Runner vibes or something. Just like a movie that like you know, it's based on a a, a successful property that uh movie came out. And it's just like have you guys seen like the photo of the cast? They're they're just all the most generic looking children and it's like I cannot imagine. This seems like one of those movies like first one will maybe make Oh my god, this picture is so cheesy. Yeah, isn't it isn't it crazy? It's like 
it is Entertainment Weekly, though. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I it I looks think like a cheap Disney show city. picture. Yes, yes, exactly. Eric, I, I hate to uh, put my head in the lion's mouth, but the three Maze Runners made more than a billion dollars. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Like, it yeah. doesn't take a lot for movies to make that much these days. Like, big already already uh like established franchises make that much um so i'm not yeah i think avatar will totally make a billion dollars four movies we're talking 250 a piece to break even so i found another article apparently sigourney weaver held her breath for over six minutes underwater while filming avatar 2 so Mm -hmm. that james cameron could shoot longer takes that is what they call a lie for promotion (laughs) That definitely didn't happen. There's no chance Sigourney Weaver's holding her breath for six minutes at a time. Six minutes. I don't even know if I could do two. Yeah, like you're losing brain cells at that point. That's uh, especially your acting. Like you have. Well, I think that's all. I think when they do that, they they breathe pure oxygen prior, which which makes it a little bit different. I think, but I don't know. I'm just reading this article really quickly here. Yeah, that's uh, that just sounds like some bullshit. It's like, oh, isn't Sigourney Weaver the greatest? I don't know why I went into a semi Jimmy Fallon in- impression there, but uh, <laughs> see, if I'm Sigourney Weaver though, like I'd be like, just have my stunt double do it. You're not yeah, paying me enough of for this. Course. Who the fuck holds their breath for six? I just don't. There's no way that happened. If I was like what I would consider like an, an A class celebrity, which I think Sigourney Weaver for sure is. Oh yeah, like, you know. Yeah. I would I would just be like, you want me to film underwater with my eyes open, holding my breath for more than a minute? Yeah. Like, okay, go find somebody else. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm too much of a millionaire for this. But maybe you know, I don't know. Maybe she actually cares. Yeah, I mean, look at Tom Cruise and all the crazy shit he does. Yeah, but he's a psychopath, you know. Maybe she. Yeah. Has to. I don't yeah. All right, uh, my last little bit here is about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So we were talking with, uh, not we, someone was talking with Sam Raimi, I wish it was us, uh, on whether he's been involved with WandaVision. And he said, I didn't have any input into WandaVision, but their team helped me out once or twice on Doctor Strange 2. And yes, Elizabeth is awesome in it. So uh, I think that makes sense. I, I could never imagine all these directors having input into the TV show, but it's good to know that they uh, provided some input on Doctor Strange 2, and that to me is still my number one most hyped movie. I'm super excited to see it, and I can't wait for it to come out. Yeah, for for sure. I um, I hope it uh, it lives up to the hype. That's all I will say. Me too. You know, it's going to be interesting because we've been getting really used to all these uh, these serialized shows and, and the format, you know, being outside of a film. And so there's not as much you can do in two hours. That's for sure. Yeah. True. So we will see. Although we will see. Maybe they'll release a four hour version uh, <laughs> two years later on HBO Max and we'll get to really, you know. I really enjoy it. I just want the six hour version of Endgame. That's what I want. Dude. I'd watch that's, that. Yes. That's just called watching both of them together. <laughs> true. I, there you, there know. you go. True. Um, 
my one last little bit that I had here is, <laughs> I guess it's kind of a PSA. Apparently, there's a lot of people that have been sending death threats to actor Wyatt Russell for his portrayal of uh, the new Captain America, John Walker. Oh my God. Um, and my PSA is, don't be a fucking idiot. <laughs> okay, like I don't understand. Like, like after uh, after Avengers: Infinity War came out, Chris Pratt was getting death threats because he let Thanos go. <laughs> <laughs> and started punching him. And it's just like, are you that fucking dumb to realize that this is a movie <clears throat> and this is a story? And sometimes the story is to make you upset a little bit because that's just how life works. I don't understand who these like people are that send death threats to actors for what their characters do in TV shows. And all I got to say is don't be a fucking idiot. That's dumb. <laughs> it's just, I'm just so dumb. <laughs> Yeah, people are uh, dumb as fuck. I think I'll have to go with my normal tagline of make better life choices is what I usually say. Yes. So, Eric, you got anything else for news today? Um, Nothing crazy. For anybody who cares, they've been working on this Lego Star Wars game um, that's kind of like a compilation of, like, the entire Star uh, Skywalker saga. So episodes one through nine. And um, it got delayed, so no, no Ooh. surprise. Yeah, but uh, it does seem like it's the most ambitious Lego game to date. If you've played any of the Lego video games, they're very surprisingly pretty good. Um, and this one seems like it's going to be above and beyond. I mean, fully voice acted. Um, seems insane. So yeah, they're delaying it. No surprise, really. Also, they released a. They released a trailer for like the Bad Batch, which is fine if you if you're excited about that. And uh and supposedly Jar Jar Binks is not gonna be in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which is a missed opportunity. But uh Bummer. Yeah. But uh that's uh oh, and Star Wars Droids, the animated series, is coming to Disney Plus later this year. I don't even know what that is, and I don't care. So But if you do, there you go. If you don't care, then I don't know who their audience yeah, is. Yeah, it's like they're they're really digging deep into the well here. But uh, jeez, yeah, little kids maybe. Yeah, yeah, know. no, I think it, I think it might be for yeah. little kids. And if so, I'm totally for it. Indoctrinate little kids into Star Wars as early as possible. I say. Wow, never thought I'd hear that sentence come out of you. <laughs> hey. And by that, I just mean indoctrinate little kids. Yeah. It happens with everything else in this world. Might as well, <laughs> might as well throw Star Wars in there. Exactly. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> All righty, Chris. Is there anything exciting? I, I know I don't usually ask the guests, but in, in case you saw anything exciting this week, I thought I'd ask before we move. Uh, on. yeah, I will say something very exciting. Actually, uh, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. The nanny is on HBO Max, oh guys. God. Like all of them. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember that show. I know Tom's watched it recently, but uh, okay, it's a let me favorite just, of, Can I rant um, about this for a second? Sure, go for it. Okay, so my uh, my partner Amelia like loves the nanny, right? And I had never heard of it, and so we started watching a what? couple episodes. What the fuck? Okay, have you never I, yeah, I don't know how I never heard. Yeah, I don't Mr. know. Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, but here's the crazy thing. I was like, okay, like. She wants to watch it. Let's like just like watch all four seasons. So I checked all the streaming services. Fucking nothing. Couldn't find it. And then um, I was like, okay, 
fuck it. Like, I'll just buy it, you know? Like, let me just get the digital, you know, copy of it so we can just watch it. You couldn't buy it anywhere unless you bought, like, a third-party DVD off Amazon. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, you know, it's 2021. If you want to, like, pay for something to actually enjoy it, you should be able to. So it's really exciting. Chris broke the news to us that it was on HBO Max. I was pretty excited about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a favorite of my wife's family. And so like her sister really loves it. And I think I, I bought a legit, it's six seasons. Um, I, I bought a legit, like all six season thing for her off of eBay, like five years ago. And then recently I was like, I'll just do the same thing. And now like the legit copies are so much money until now, now that now that's on HBO max, no one will probably buy them, but Yeah. It's a good awesome. show. It's a good show. Twelve Emmy nominations, one Emmy award. Wow! So uh, fun. I liked Eric's uh, little his little voice impersonation there. <laughs> that the was Danny. dead on, right? It yeah. was. Can um, you give us one more one more shot at that? I think I think that's a one and done. But yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Uh, but I will say just a fun fact: uh, the Nant. I did not realize this. Until very recently, I list. I randomly listened to a bunch of Australian podcasts and. All of them bring up constantly that the nanny was apparently a cultural phenomenon in Australia, way bigger in Australia than it was here in the States. Um, Yeah, which is which is wild. So fun fact, if you are if you know any Australians, 99 percent, they have seen and loved the nanny. I guess every Australian that exists is obsessed with the nanny. Mr. Sheffield, he's British though, right? And he's not Australian. No, it's because it has something to do with like uh, until very recently, like crazily recently, um, Australia didn't get TV shows until like like later, and oh. and they and they didn't have a lot of them. Like like they didn't just didn't have any good ones. So like the big sitcom that broke through over there was The Nanny. That's wild, man. Yeah, so weird, but awesome. Yeah. All righty, gentlemen, it is time to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So this week we're talking about episode three, the power broker is what it's called. And I got to say, this episode opened up with something that I thought was very reminiscent of the WandaVision days, a commercial. Yeah. In-universe commercial for the Global Repatriation Council. Um and man, I could totally see this commercial existing in real life. It it uh, definitely threw me for a loop when it came on. Yeah, that's for sure. I uh, it 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 solidified my well up to this point in the episode. It solidified my support for the flag smashers for sure. So I was like, man, fuck this commercial. I hate this so much. But uh, it just I mean, not in the sense that. It was, I love the execution of it. It just annoyed, like, if I saw a commercial like that in real life, I would just be like, shut the fuck up. This com- this commercial's bullshit. Yeah, no, it's, like, kind <laughs> of a mixture between, like, a, like an antidepressant commercial mixed with, like, uh, just, like, some government, like, agency, you know, uh, public service announcement yeah, bullshit yeah. all wrapped in one. Anything that's, rem- like, we're here to help. Just like shut right. the fuck right. up! It reminded <laughs> me of the uh, corporation in iRobot, um, oh. like the new uh, whatever oh, robot. Oh yeah, that's, that's like it was yeah. like boom. It took me like right back 
to that movie. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Which obviously that you know company was evil. So sorry if I spoiled that one for you. Fifteen <laughs> hey. years after the fact. Please, I was but, just about to pick up that novel. Um, you know, I will say I thought I thought it started the episode off on a good point though, because it made me feel sympathetic for the flag smashers too. Because if you think about it, like five years, all these people are gone. You know, borders are changing, relationships are either moving on, you know, jobs, all these things are changing over that five years, and then all these people come back. It's got to be really fucked up, like just in general across the world, trying to figure out how these people are supposed to go back to living a life that doesn't exist for them anymore. And like, I thought it was really cool that that's what it made me think about at the beginning of this episode is like, wow, this whole blip thing probably really fucked with a lot of people. And that's half the world. Yeah. Insane. It's like, how, how does that even, there's really no way of, of handling that. And it kind of creates like this huge worldwide crisis, which, Hey, yeah, man. Getting rid of half the people, so there was, like, only one person living in Wyoming? Crazy. Wow. (laughs) The buffalo I've taken over. (laughs) All right, so after the commercial starts, we jump over to Munich, Germany, and that's where we see John Walker and Battlestar. I'm just going to call him Battlestar because I think it's so ridiculous. And they are working with the GRC, and they're breaking into basically the place where the Flag Smashers were hiding out previously in Germany. They're trying to figure out where they're at. Uh, where Carly's going, she's in charge of them. And uh, the dude in charge spits in Cap's face. And uh, he kind of loses it. And he's like, do you know who I am? And he's like, yeah, and I don't care. Um, and so, you know, to me, like, the whole scene was like, yeah, more John Walker bullshit. He seemed like he was kind of kind of losing it a little bit more. But um, the whole scene, to me at least, what I took away was just because you have a shield and a suit, you're not Captain America. Yeah, I think that guy was a personification of the audience watching this show so far, um, because at least for me, I like cannot bring myself to care about John Walker. Like, I know there's going to be something where he, you know, like later on in the series, you know, something will happen where he'll be brought into the show. But like right now, he's like 36 hours behind anything the Falcon and Winter Soldier are doing. <laughs> like, you know, he's just what, and he's not a super soldier, which apparently there's a shit ton of now so it's just like i'm really uh like dude you're like the 36th most important person in this show why do you even get screen time yeah i literally my first note of the uh (laughs) that i took was in reference to the do you know who i am and i just wrote lmao this guy's a fucking loser and uh (laughs) he absolutely is Pretty much, pretty much. I will say, you know, I know we're going to go through this in, in chronological order. Um, he did not have that much screen time this episode. No, no, he did not. I enjoyed. So. Yeah. yeah, same. But we're, it's probably going to be uh, John Walker heavy next week, I would assume. Do you guys, like, find him? So, like, obviously he looks like his dad a lot. Like, I have, I struggle when I see him on on screen because I'm just like, you know, his dad is ego. So, like, so like, I'm like, I have a hard time separating that because he looks like Kurt Russell so much. And wow. Uh, I mean, I, I strongly disagree. I would have never wow. known he was his son if Tom had not alerted me to that fact last week. Man, I just think of ego every time I see, see him, uh, see him on screen. And I mean, he's got a pretty healthy ego himself. So true. 
Um, yeah, Eric was shocked during the last episode when when he found <laughs> that out. Also, I think that we said, okay, I, I'm I might be misremembering. I think we said that Kurt Russell joined Thor: Love and Thunder instead of Russell Crowe. No, uh, we said Russell Crowe. Did we say Russell Crowe? Yeah, okay, yeah. I was getting really confused between the two Russells, <laughs> and I was like, what? Like very different. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like very, very different. But I was like, which one did we say? Was it the right one? Because we were talking about both of them, obviously, yeah. during the episode. So, um, oh, my gosh, there's uh, there's someone at my door. Hold on one second here. Oh, wow. Oh, hello. <laughs> Baron von Zemo, only no von in the middle here. <laughs> we're going to Berlin, Germany now, and we're going to have a very Hannibal Lecter-esque scene here. Yes. Just... Just me and the Bucky Barnes, just with some glass between us. <laughs> it's it's very, very interesting. Sexy. I'm also very sophisticated. Yes, very sexy, very sophisticated. I like all the high class things. Reading some Machiavelli. <laughs> okay, back to the podcast. Oh my god! Wow. Sorry, sorry about that, guys. I uh, had to step out for a oh. second. All right, we're in yeah. Berlin. Apparently everything's in Germany this episode. Yeah. I don't know why everything's in Germany. But, oh wait, uh, hold, before before we get to this scene, one last note on the last one: Hoskins seems twenty times smarter than John Walker, and I don't understand. Oh yeah, I in that yeah, last he's scene, like the reasonable one. Yeah, I forget exactly what the interaction was, but uh, he just like John uh, or John Walker said something stupid, and Hoskins just uh just like, chill the f out man yeah it just was like way more reasonable and i was like what is this dynamic like very weird but anyways uh yeah that's all i had to say about the last scene yeah no i completely agree and i'm glad you brought that up because i kind of forgot about that little bit um okay so now <laughs> apparently we're we're just going straight into the prison where zemo's there um at this point i'll say i feel like there's so much going on feel like maybe they should have thrown out maybe some of like the C plots of this show so far. Cause I know like the last two episodes, there was just like a lot. And, um, it's crazy to me that during that pilot episode, like we spent so much time with his sister at the bank when like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. there's this, there's this is moving so fast. It was like, okay, we need super soldier serum. We need to talk to Zemo. Boom. We're talking to Zemo. Um, and so, yeah, very kind of, there's some hands of Hannibal Lecter in there for sure. Um, I thought it was really cool. Bucky kind of walks in and Zemo starts reading off the Russian code words that turn him into the winter soldier. Um, and that was great. The music, the musical cues from civil war popped up, uh, for Zemo's theme and all that. Um, and I, I liked the initial conversation between the two. Yeah, it's, um, I, uh, how can I say, I liked uh -oh. this scene and the sub, well, what, yeah, I guess if, if Chris has anything to say about that, I think the scene that directly follows the scene is, and is kind yeah, of the well, same I'll, scene is I'll, way more interesting. Yeah, I'll get yeah. to that in a second. I'll get yeah, to I have to, before, yeah, before we get to that, before we get to Zemo, up to this point in the episode, I have to tell you guys, I mean, I was just so over this show. <laughs> like, yeah. I like like you were saying, Todd, there was just so much going on, and I like haven't been brought into it enough to give a shit about most of it. 
the only part yeah. that I really cared about in the first two episodes was like Bucky getting close to that dude's dad that he killed. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then Isaiah, uh, and, uh, and so like the commercial, I was like, what is this? Are they trying to like bring in some of the, some of the awesomeness that was WandaVision by bringing in this commercial. And then, uh, and then, yeah, the fact that they're just like, let's go see Zemo. Uh, up until this point, I was just like, man, I'm going to hate this and I'm going to give it one infinity stone and Tom's going to yell at me. And, uh, <laughs> no, and- dude, did you hear both Tom and I gave the last episode a two? Yeah, I mean, that's what I would have given it to. Yeah. Like, I just, like, could not give a crap. Yeah. Until, and then, and then Zemo shows up. And Daniel, my, is it Brule? Brule. Is so much more charismatic than anybody else in this show combined. <laughs> like, he is, I mean, I I like He's great. a He's lot good. of his characters, regardless of what movie we're talking about. But um, or a TV show for that matter, uh, and like as soon as he came into this show, I was like, okay, okay, I'm starting to care now. So yeah, yeah no, I I 100% agree. Like it it felt like the tone of the entire show changed the moment they walked into the cell. Yeah. Um, and so Bucky's like, what book are you reading there? And he says Machiavelli. Uh, and then we kind of go to like this, like kind of garage looking place and Bucky's trying to say like, we need to break him out of prison. And Sam's obviously like, no, like it's fucking crazy. He's like a super smart, super villain guy. And he goes, let me just walk you through a hypothetical. Can I just walk you through a hypothetical? And then we see this amazing sequence that is literally just how Bucky broke Zemo out of the prison. Uh, you know, he hides his chip card into his book and then like start like sets up the sequence where these guys start fighting. And then while they're fighting, he's explaining the ratio of prisoners to guards. And then while the fight's breaking out, the guards are responding to the riot. Uh, then the fire alarm gets pulled. All these crazy things. I thought the whole sequence was amazing. It was so cool. It's very um, Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Yes, yeah. in a lot of ways, I thought it was very, very similar to the two Sherlock. Um, and I don't know, I just enjoyed it. It just was really funny. I thought the let me just walk you through a hypothetical line was really cool. Um, and then at the end of it, you basically see Zemo walking in and joining both Sam and Bucky in this garage that he was in. Yeah, I so. I thought I was a fan of the scene. I was a fan of the execution. I think the premise is fucking nonsense. And I, yeah, and I, he got out way too easily. Well, that, but, but more so, I just don't understand or agree with any of the characterization of Bucky. Like, sometimes he's the dumbest human being on the planet. Sometimes he can break out a supervillain from a high security prison without even trying. Why would he break out the person who enslaved him? It just none of it makes sense to me. And I agree. And the point is, Bucky's a scroll. If you missed it last week, uh, my theory is Bucky's a scroll. There's no 
fucking way. Oh. Because either Bucky's a Skrull or this is truly some of the worst characterization in the entire MCU in this show for Bucky Barnes. Uh, nonsensical. Nonsensical. Yeah, I, I do agree that I just think, I don't know, like there's really no reason to break him out of prison. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I feel like it's really just an excuse because he was left in prison and I don't know, they just couldn't think of a more creative way to have this all line up. I don't know. It just like, I don't know how we jump. That's when I was saying that everything was moving quickly. They're like, we don't have any leads for the super soldier serum. And then it's like, boom, we need to break a super villain out of prison. It's fucking ridiculous. (laughs) It's just the premise is ridiculous. Yeah. But super well executed. Very fun to watch. I enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) I, you know what? Here's one of those things that I'm like the 50 foot gap in Jurassic Park. I'm going to let it go because Zemo made this show like (laughs) go from like almost unwatchable to something that I'm excited about. So like, I don't really care how the Tyrannosaurus gets out of the cage. The fact that he's out and causing havoc makes me smile. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm 100% with you, Chris. Like, I, it's ridiculous. And the entire time I'm like, wow, like, why are we even here right now? But I had fun watching it, and so I really don't care. But, right, like, from a premise perspective, it's completely fucked. And it doesn't really <laughs> make much sense. Because it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, this is going to go how you wanted it to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It just, you know, like, it, like this is coming from the guy that... uh you know, just got pardoned for like murdering a bunch of people, including Tony Stark's dad somehow. And he was arrested for just evading his uh, therapist, you know. And so now, <laughs> you know, we're breaking people out of prison, apparently. And there's a record that they were at the prison, too. So who knows? We'll see. We'll see if it comes back to haunt him. Um, You know, I, I thought it was funny right after the scene you know, this is like Bucky's like family garage and there's all these fancy cars and shit. And, uh, they end up getting on a plane, you know, and Zima's, it, yeah, Zima's family. Garage. Oh, did I not say the right name? What did I say? Yeah. Bucky. Oh yeah. So this is, yeah. Zemo's Zemo stuff. They're basically like, yeah, he's been a baron all along. He came from a rich family in Sokovia. And so apparently he still has all those connections and all that money and stuff like that. And so, um, they don't really spend much time explaining it. They're just like, yeah, he's a baron now. Get over it. Let's move on. Yeah, I, I, like I think that. that kind of explains some like, yeah, it's an easy way to write things out. But I always wondered how he was able to get all this shit done and like figure out how to screw up the Avengers so badly in Civil War like that. I was like, how how does a normal dude just figure that out? You know, um, yeah. And that kind of explained some of that. So it wasn't like it wasn't like too insane to me to believe the whole Baron thing yeah no it's it it kind of fills in some gaps for sure um i'm sure people online could be like well wait blah, 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 blah. you know i just it was another one of those things where i was like yeah okay now we know why he's baron zemo let's move on um and so yeah they hop on a private jet and he is and looking fly heading. as fuck by the way i absolutely love his look with that big ass jacket oh yeah with like the fur yeah, the when, fur, yeah his uh, kind of collar dude, the first shot of him walking out I was like, oh, my God, this guy is going to fuck some shit up. I was like, are are we are we back in uh, Macklemore's thrift shop uh, video or what's going on? Pretty much. Um, This this kind of led to a really fun sequence. Um, We don't really know where they're flying to yet, but um, 
Zemo Zemo sees a copy or he sees the book that Bucky has that has all the names in it. And we find out that that's the same book that Cap had, you know, when he was writing things that he needed to catch up on from when he was frozen. And um, at one point, Sam goes, I told him about Trouble Man. He wrote that in that book. And he's asking Bucky if he had listened to it and liked it. You know, this is the Trouble Man soundtrack by Marvin Gaye. And they're kind of arguing because Bucky didn't really like it or whatever. And Zemo just goes, it is a masterpiece, James. Complete, comprehensive. It captures the African-American experience. <laughs> and it's just like another one of those moments like Zemo is 100% stealing the entire show at this point. Everything he says is awesome. Yeah. And then doesn't uh, Anthony uh, Mackie... Uh, yeah, yeah, Anthony Mack, he's like, oh. response that he's like, he's way off base, but also no, he's way, he's, he's way, he's way out of line. Yeah. Oh, way right. out of line. But he's right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was great. really funny. I was like, man, I wish this show was called The Falcon and Z- Zemo. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though. Oh, my gosh. No, but it's, it's funny because, like, uh, you know, I do think I'm a huge, like, Silence of the Lambs fan. Um, he is such a Hannibal Lecter type character though, where it's like, he kind of somehow knows everything and has like this nuanced taste for things that are considered good. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed it from that perspective, you know, the villain helping out the good guys and is so fancy and blah, 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 blah. And charismatic for that matter. Cause there's nothing, he's nothing if not charismatic in this show so far. Indeed. I think I read something online. Um, where it's like somehow Daniel Brühl is able to seem like so charismatic and cool yet completely untrustworthy at the same time. And that's like such like a nuanced thing to yeah. be able to do. And, and I think they nail it. Like, cause you don't trust him at all. No. But you're like, damn, I like him though. <laughs> I think he's really, I think he's really good at playing that character in general in different, uh, different movies and, and TV shows and stuff. Like, even in even in movies where there's no reason for me not to trust him, I don't think I've ever trusted Daniel Brühl's characters <laughs> to do anything. Like I'm just like waiting for, I don't know what it is, but he yeah. just has that sinister quality to him where it's just yeah. like you're up to something. But hey, great casting, right? If that's if that's yeah. what you're you're yeah. playing, then you know that's who you are. All right, so we have a quick cutscene. Um, I will say one of my knocks of this show is that there's a lot of quick cut scenes between like the different B, C level stories. And sometimes I get lost because they're a little bit quick and you're just trying to put the pieces together. But we see a quick scene in Riga, Latvia, and it's a GRC resettlement camp. And Carly is there and they're like, you should go be with her. And we don't know who her is. It seems like we find out later that it's a a woman named Mama Danya Madani who is a refugee and it's kind of hard to tell. It may be Carly's actual mother or maybe like an adoptive mother of some sort, but we basically see her and she appears to be dying. And so this seems to be kind of like a, maybe a strong source of motivation for Carly because this, this, her mother or her mother figure, this lady named Danya Madani um, is basically on the brink of death. And then later in this episode, she dies. Very quick scene. All right, here's a question. Do you think there is any chance at all that the MCU version of Latveria is just going to be Latvia and that uh, we might get a hint at Doctor Doom? 
But oh, isn't man. Latvia is a real Latvia is a real place? Though, right? Latvia is a real place. Yeah. Hmm. I still but think that we might get Latveria. But why choose that country when Latveria is so similar and everybody's going to be on the look? I mean, I guess maybe they could just be foolish enough to not think of that. But when I saw Latvia, immediately I was like, hmm, Dr. Doom? Huh? Is that what they want? Maybe that's what they want. Maybe, maybe. Like everyone who is is totally just overanalyzing these shows as we love to do is thinking Latvia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I yeah, I still yeah. think there's going to be a Latveria. Yeah, I would I would go the same cuz I don't know like I totally like I didn't even think about that, but I feel like half the people watching the show have no idea that Latvia was even in it. Um but I don't know like I don't know how they would feel about like turning like a real life country into like this quasi fake like monarchic kind of weird country controlled by dr doom um but who knows you know could go either way i think yeah i is there i feel like there is a country that is uh like significantly maybe it's not in the mcu i'm gonna i'm not even gonna try to uh talk my way into it because i will not remember but i do feel like there's an example in cinema where there is like a real country that is like drastically changed to basically be a fictional country i just can't think of Hmm. it so that was a cool story bro i'm glad i said it i'm so glad (laughs) well let's move on to a real real cool reference that i i didn't see coming um, cause I, I guess I didn't think about it. We find out that Bucky, Sam and Zemo are going to the fictional Marvel country of Madripoor, um, which I've read about a, a million times. It pops up in the comics all the time. It's basically just like this Pacific Island nation that has a bunch of rich people and a bunch of poor people, but it's basically known for being like this haven of criminals and villains and lawlessness and just if you're in Madripoor, shit's going down, basically. It's basically like an anarchic island run by criminals for the most part. And it's it's got um, the sickest look. It, it reminded me of, like, cyberpunk. It looks so yeah, cool. It's like it's like cyberpunk Hong Kong. Yeah, in yeah. Way, in some sense. Yeah, it's like, um, isn't it like Singapore where it's like a country and just one giant city? Yeah, like, basically, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's like it's basically there, there's no middle class because you're either like this highballing criminal mastermind with all this money or you're one of the people just working for these, you know, criminals. So there's a high town and a low town uh, in the comics and in the show. They reference that as well. Um, I think it's really funny. You know, they're going in character. Bucky's going as the Winter Soldier under the control of of Baron Zemo and, and Sam is going as someone called the Smiling Tiger. And uh, at the beginning, he's like, we have to fix this. I'm the only one who looks like a pimp, to which Zemo says, only an American would assume a fashion forward black man looks like a pimp. And just another great line, I thought. Yeah, and and that's, uh, I mean, I thought he looked fucking great. Personally, Anthony Mackie. I yeah. mean, that's, that's another just impeccable look in this show, in, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the yeah. one thing they they definitely like have uh, stepped up uh, Anthony Mackie's look in this uh, in this show. But like f- from Endgame, which is Endgame, he had some like weird trying to be Tony Stark beard going on, and it was <laughs> yeah, awful. And, uh, like every every single look of his was not great, and I'm so glad that they 
<laughs> they uh, maybe fired his stylist. I don't know what happened, but he looks so much better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, the three of them are looking for this person named Selby. Um, and apparently this person has connections to the super soldier serum and, and how Hydra was working on it. And so Bucky's pretending to be the winter soldier. You know, they kind of run into some trouble, you know, in the, in the bar area because, you know, it's just like a, a super rough city slash country. Right. And they're trying to work their way up this criminal enterprise. And there's this really, really cool sequence where Bucky, like, you know, Zemo, activates quote unquote Bucky as the winter soldier. And he just starts beating the shit out of people. And <laughs> it, like awesome. all these Bucky, like winter soldier sequences, I think have been really great. And I really liked this one. Did you guys like it? Yeah. I, uh, so I'm quite sure all he, I think he says it in Sokovian, but he just says winter soldier attack or something like that. And, uh, super badass. And then, and obviously Bucky just goes ape shit like immediately. Um, yeah, incredible. It's just funny to like, <laughs> there are a few reaction shots of people in the bar, like just extras in the bar, just looking like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Which I really enjoyed <laughs> just cause it seems just seemingly completely out of nowhere. Um, also before this happened, uh, Anthony Mackie takes a really gross shot with like a snake gut in it or something yeah what was up with that that was so weird <laughs> that was a good i liked i like that whole thing I did like too. He, he was like working himself up to it and then he like took it and like completely straight faced even though like you could tell he you know it was turning his stomach yeah that was pretty, that was <laughs> yeah, that was good. a really good performance by by anthony mackie there but it was just, and this is this... like oh, you're you're oh smiling tiger your favorite or your usual or something it's like right. this fucking guy's usual is a shot with like a snake stomach in it or something Ugh. man there there are so many weird ass liquors that have like dead animals in them yeah. you would not even believe Ugh. like it's Ugh. so I, weird yeah. gross um this bar that they're in um like as they're walking up to it like the, there's like that sign for the princess bar is this bar the princess bar yes i think okay. so all right are we gonna are we gonna talk about some of the people who are involved with the princess bar in the uh in the comics why don't, why don't you enlighten us yeah i will <laughs> just like how i uh will. called it <clears throat> with the last tv show um yeah, so one of the uh, there are a couple people named uh, Tiger Tiger, who is she is a uh, part owner of this bar, as well as uh, I don't know if you guys know who um, Wolverine is. Oh, who's that? Yeah, so there's there's this uh, Marvel property that they had to sell to Fox called X Men. It's not really important, not very good storylines. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so after everybody thinks the X-Men are dead, I think Wolverine, um, he kind of hides out in Madripoor, and and this place is like one of one of his favorite local hotspots, probably because they have weird-ass drinks with snake juice <laughs> True. in them. Um, and so Tiger Tiger, who owns this bar, I mean, there's like a whole, we don't have to go super into it, but he, they sort of team up and um eventually uh kind of 
liberate. I don't know if liberate's the right word for Madripoor, but like make it not so piratey. Um, and uh, and Smiling Tiger works for Tiger Tiger. Um, so th- there's like this whole. Man, I'm doing a really bad job. <laughs> no, no, you're doing so. But there's this no. whole there's this whole side plot that involves Wolverine, which makes me think that uh, yet again, just like how I thought in uh, Wandavision that uh, falsely that the X Men would be brought into it, but this makes me feel yet again that the X Men are going to debut in the MCU through this show? Oh, Question mark. I love it. Um, no, I don't think they're going to be in this show at all. So I think this is just like an, another seed, you know? It's just well, like another I mean, thing leading to By it. debut, I mean like there will be proof that they're there. Not like we're going to see the X-Men, if that makes sense. Mutants. Oh, mutants, I see. Yeah, mutants, not the X-Men. Um, yeah, so it's just like we're definitely building up to that. Uh, and it also got me in a whole side conversation with uh kate about who we would want to see play wolverine uh but that could be a whole podcast in and of itself i'm sure sure could sure could eric i feel like you wanted to say something there uh oh have you guys seen Maybe we already talked about this, but I don't know if this is a rumor or like if it's a rumor, it seems extremely credible. But I feel like it's because someone said someone involved with the show said that episode five, there's going to be like a mind blowing, gigantic cameo episode. Oh, five. boy. Uh, here we go again. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, um, my, th- my thoughts are either. uh Yes, Stanley. My I thought thoughts... we talked about this last week where we all thought it was Steve. Yeah, agreed. I think it's either Steve. However, I did I did Chris is kind of guy I would be sick if it's an X-Man, but I also did a little bit of googling. Um again, this is uh cuz I was googling Latvia. I was I was wondering if there was maybe in the ultimate universe latvia was latveria if there was any precedent for that i was wondering so i was looking it up apparently the only other time latvia has ever been referenced in uh well that i could find in uh live action marvel is during luke cage might be interesting Interesting. if luke cage shows up in this show so not to jump ahead but i'll just make this comment is i think it's steve still but if if there's a second place for me it's someone from Wakanda. True, true, true. And I think that's that's obviously a big connection, and we'll talk about that later on. But maybe uh, Shuri or Black Panther himself, maybe? Well, no. Who knows? All right. Um, I really want to finish this scene out before before we move on, because there's a couple scenes of Mad Rapport that we got to go through, because obviously a, a big chunk of this episode is there. Um, while Bucky is fighting as the Winter Soldier, a woman is filming him on her phone. I think that that might come back to haunt him at some point. Um, We will see. But obviously, you know, he had this whole agreement with how he was able to stay out of prison. feel like being filmed in a bar at Madripoor fighting a bunch of people (laughs) slash killing people with Zemo, maybe not the best thing, you know? So I think that might come back to haunt him. Um, It's also mentioned in the bar that the power broker, uh, 
is referenced and he is quote the judge jury and executioner of madripoor at this time so he's kind of the head criminal running a lot of the madripoor stuff right now so that name is being dropped a lot um at, at some point after uh the conversations between uh selby uh and bucky and sam are going on you know obviously sam's sister calls him and she wants him to answer it on speakerphone. And then they basically reveal that, you know, it's, it's revealed that they're not who they say they are. And this huge fight breaks out. Selby is shot though. It's not quite clear who shot her at first. Um, and then this whole, this text goes out to basically everyone in Madripoor at the same time. <laughs> and it, it basically puts a hit out on them because Selby is dead. Um, For a and billion is, dollars. I yeah. believe. That was it? I thought I thought it said uh I thought it said a a thousand Bitcoin or something. I thought it was the Bitcoin logo that oh, was sent out. Oh, it might have been the Bitcoin. I might have just saw the B and thought it was just weird Madripoor text or weird Marvel text. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier involves massive Bitcoin bounty. Got it. It says one k one k Bitcoin bounty. Wow. Uh, I mean, that's still quite a bit, but not a some, billion. Some cryptocurrency uh, website posted an article about <laughs> it. But um, it, this is at this point where uh, Emily Van Camp comes into the show. We finally get Sharon Sharon Carter back, and she saves her asses. She's like a sharpshooter, and she basically, she was the one that shot Selby, and all these guys that were coming after them, she basically kills them all almost instantly. Yeah, she... Um... It's so hard. Like, I don't know when I want to say what I want to say about these characters because so much of this, like, all the Madripoor stuff kind of bleeds together as, like, one scene in my mind. But her introduction and just subsequent, the rest of her fight scenes, um, really well done. I think also more well done than Falcon's. So, so far, Falcon has the worst fight scenes in this show by a lot. What's up with that, dude? Like, I do not are, know. Like way better. Really I'll tell you good. what's up with that. I'll tell you what's up with that for sure. Okay, let's hear it. She's the power broker and has some dude. of that super serum, man. Dude, oh, I thought she was a power shit. broker too. The moment she came in, I was like, she's power broker for sure, a hundred percent. Wow, there she's we got go. the super serum, and so she, of course, she's kicking everybody's asses. I don't know. I'm not convinced that she it. has the serum. I just like within within minutes of her coming on screen, I was like, she's the power broker. The, there was a there was a I don't know what article I was reading, but they were referencing how many times the power broker is referred to as a man. Yes. And it was like strange how many times. And so it's like setting up yeah. the fact that Dang. it's not a man. I, I wow that. I bet that's 100% right. That's going to be this season's Agatha Harkness theory, Chris McGraw theorem. And it's good, also yeah. going to turn out to be correct, I bet. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's I said that to Amelia when we were watching. I was like, she's the power broker. I was like, they're not going to have this be some like no-name person. And so she's been in Madripoor since she helped Cap out during Civil War, right? So she was able to get the shield back. She got the wings back without her the Civil War stuff would have gone completely wrong. She was working for the CIA at the time. And obviously, like, she like you instantly become, like, a war criminal at that point, basically. Um, and so she's been on the run. She's been staying in Madripoor because they can't extradite her from there. And she's, like, running, like, this huge stolen art crime gallery kind of thing in high town of Madripoor, 
super connected somehow. Um, and, you know, later on in the, in the end of the Madripoor scenes, you know, she gets into a car. This lady holds open a door for her and she says, we've got a big problem. Actually, a couple of them get in the car. Let's go. And it's like that was just like the icing on the cake. I was like, she's totally the power broker. Like all these references to the power broker. He, 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 he. It's like, no, she is Agatha. She is power broker. hundred percent. Do you think she uh, she she survived the snap and that's how she like was able to get a leg up? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think she survived the snap 100 percent. She couldn't stay in America. She goes to Madripoor and she uses her skills. Obviously, she's like, you know, a spy and and super, you know, talented. She used to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and yeah, she just started working the scene. Obviously, everything I'm sure in Madripoor was a fucking mess, just like everywhere else in the world. And she's been working for five years and now she's in charge. Uh, here's a question that, I mean, what year are we in? Isn't it technically Uh, like, like 2026 or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to piece together a timeline. So it's been a decade since Civil War in, in the MCU. Probably close to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, you could do a lot of shit in a decade, especially when half the world is gone for half of it. Yeah. Yeah, and if you have a certain set of skills, you know, boom. Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I've got to say, I think this episode contained my favorite very short sequence of the MCU, or one of my favorite short sequences ever, is after we see in Hightown um, Sharon Carter's by the way, I mean, did you guys ever imagine the fact that Captain America stooped the power broker? You guys ever thought about I'm that? I'm not convinced that happened. I know we've Eric, talked about gotta, this before. You just got to go with me here, buddy. Just I, believe. I know we've talked stooped? about this on the show before. Yeah, they, they fucked for sure. I'm not convinced. His power broker. Or... His power <laughs> broke her. Oh my gosh. Jesus. All right, oh let's move on. Um, so <laughs> we're in Hightown and there's this like a quick scene. Wait, did we go where... did we go to the scene where they're in her house yet or no? Yeah, yeah. no, I'm talking about that that part right now. I was okay, just gonna yeah, mention the to fact that there there there's a scene in a Madripoor club and we just get like three seconds of 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 uh, Zemo just like dancing in like he's in a German <laughs> discotheque or something. And it's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I thought it was a little strange that they had this bounty on them and they're running away from people trying to kill them immediately as soon as this bounty goes out. And then they're like, hold up, time out. We got to get our dance on, people. <laughs> and then they dance for a bit. And then after the dancing over, oh, all these people are after him again. It's like, wait, what? Well, I think it is also kind of like that. You're, that makes sense. But I think like they, they were in low town and now they're in high town. And so it's like I think it's probably a little bit harder to get shot in high town in Madripoor than you would in low town uh, for sure. Yeah, that's that's true. So is this so, this has happened before or after we saw Sharon's. This is after. OK, I wrote down a sequence of events that happened in Sharon's home that really annoyed me. And I think it's a testament to just, I think that this show's writing is like shit tier across the board. And uh, 
And the things I like about it, I think, are in spite of how bad the writing is. And here is a great example. So in Sharon's house, uh, Sam says, I can get your name cleared. And Sharon immediately says, oh, you're going to haggle with my life? Or like, don't don't haggle. I'm sure she didn't say don't, but she must have said something like, are you going to haggle with my life? And then Sam was like, no, I I, I didn't mean it like that. Then Sam basically says, look, I'm going to clear your name either way. Like, that's not what I meant. Then Sharon goes, I don't trust charity. Then (laughs) Sam goes, how about a deal? You help us and I'll get your name cleared which is the exact same thing he said the first time. And then she immediately is like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> and I was like, what wow. the fuck is this sequence? It made no sense. Literally nothing happened. Nothing happened at all. So at first he was like, hey, help us and I'll clear your name. And she's like, no. Yeah. And he's like, fine. How about this? <laughs> yeah. You help us. I'll clear your name. Yeah. She's like, all right. <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Except for in the middle, he offered to do it for nothing. And then she said no to that, too. And then he's like, oh, well, what if I remind you about the thing I said 15 seconds ago? And she was like, huh. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like this, this, the writing on this show seems to me to be like, they know where all the points need to be in between the stories and like what how they fill it in. It's just not that good. Yeah, 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 really not that. That, I don't know why that one jumped out to me. I, I like, I rarely, in fact, this might be the first time ever in this season of the Infinity Watch podcast that I have actually, I was so, like, stunned and unsure of what I watched. I actually rewound it and watched it again, which is, uh, I just never, I'm not the kind of person who ever does that. I'm just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm sure I got the gist. But, uh. That was so mind-blowing to me, I rewound it and confirmed. And uh, that is exactly what happened, and I could not wow. believe it. Yeah, no, it's it's just, yeah, sloppy. It's really just yeah, sloppy. So you're saying the writing is shit tier. Wait, no. You're saying the writing is bad. Wait, let me remind you. The writing <laughs> is shit tier. Shit tier, yes. Let me make a deal with you. <laughs> I'll agree that the writing is bad if you do as well. All right. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually saw some people saying some very similar things uh, in some comments about that scene in particular. It was like, what the hell was that? It didn't <laughs> so really make goofy. any sense. But we kind of continue on in Madripoor for a bit. They, you know, this is another thing where it's like, I'm not really following. Usually when people are investigating or trying to find the trail of something, you see all the breadcrumbs along the way. I feel like we're skipping breadcrumbs at this point. I don't know how we're getting to where we're getting, but we just show up there and I'm just kind of like, all right, we're here. Um, we're in like this gigantic Madripoor storage crate, uh, storage yard kind of thing. Shipyard, yeah. Shipyard, thank you. Um, and uh, I guess Sharon Carter was able to find this shipping crate. She's like, no, this is the right one. And they go in and they realize that this empty shipping crate, like there's like a false wall at the end and there's stairs that go up. And so, like, this certain, like, set of shipping crates is actually the secret lab that this guy named Dr. Nagel is working in. And apparently he worked before the blip for the U.S. government trying to recreate the soldier serum based on uh, Isaiah's blood, Isaiah Bradley, who we saw in the last episode. Um, and 
he got blipped during the Thanos snap. And when he came back after the five years, the project had been shelved, right? Since he obviously was gone. And so he kind of picked back up on what he was working on and supposedly created 20 doses of a kind of improved version of Erskine's original super soldier serum because he didn't want the super soldiers super soldiers to appear like buff and gigantic and whatever he just wanted them to be like subtle normal people which kind of explains why the flag smashers are the way they are and we then find out that he made these 20 doses for the power broker but carly and the flag smashers stole all of them and that that power broker and his people are coming after them obviously to try and get them back i do not believe that I think there are either more than 20 or uh, they did not. It will be revealed that the Flag Smashers did not get all 20. That is my prediction. Yeah, I think I don't think all 20 have been used. That's for damn sure. Yes. Yeah, we haven't seen 20 for sure. Um, um, We also don't know if like what he's saying is genuine. Like right. we'll get to it later on. But like who knows if his you know, we've seen people try to do the super soldier serum and sometimes it like leaves people like delirious and crazy, you know. And so Erskine, so far as we know, is the only person to make a super soldier serum that didn't turn the person psychotic. Yeah. Um, one thing that they kind of. Uh, so it's it's kind of, it's just a really quick, maybe throwaway line, but they did mention that. Well, he he mentioned the doctor mentioned that the serum was only semi-stable in Isaiah's blood. And uh, I, th I found that to be interesting. So what does, what does working with a semi-stable sample, sample mean? Um, right. Does it mean is they're like not as strong as like a full, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we'll never know, but uh, I kind of hope they hit on that a little more. Yeah, so like Isaiah aged, Bucky hasn't really aged. He's like 106, but that's like for who knows what reason he hasn't aged. And then Cap, he did age when he went back in time and came back. So like is aging part of the stability? I don't know. Well, I think Bucky didn't age because he uh, got cryogenically frozen in between missions. Right. Which is the I was same just reason. Thinking about Cap that, I was like, age. "How do we explain right. that? Yeah, that Cap actually makes frozen. sense." Yeah, ice man. Ice stops aging. That's the secret. Right do you think? In my freezer. Do you think all <laughs> of these, uh, the entire MCU, is basically just secretly telling the public that Walt Disney actually is frozen, and then he will be back one day? And that's it. You just cracked the secret, man. They're gonna kill you now. Hmm? Yeah. Um so I think the the like the last bit of this whole sequence though is basically Zemo kills this doctor guy because he's like fuck you, you know how to do <laughs> yeah. the, the super soldier serum, you're dead. Um and 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 while we're seeing this Sharon kills a shit ton of hitmen outside of all these storage containers. Yeah, yeah really and, sick fight scene. Right. Yeah, she was great. The sequences were great. And then we go to that sequence I mentioned earlier where after the three of them get away, she's she walks up to this fancy car. A lady has a door held open for her. She says, we've got a problem. Actually, a couple of them get in the car. Let's go. Before we hop to that, though, can we talk about how Falcon like threw a freaking steel girder into some dude like 
I think it was Falcon. No, it was, was Bucky. It? No, it was Bucky. It was Bucky. Yeah, 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 Bucky, yeah. yeah. Just impaled like that, someone. Yeah, I was just like, I'm sitting there watching it, and I, it was like pretty early this morning, and I like hadn't quite had my coffee yet, and like that, that woke me up, man. I was like, <laughs> whoa, damn, that would hurt so bad. Yeah, oh, shish kebab. Yeah, seriously. So that was basically the gist of all the Madripoor scenes. Very, really cool. I hope we go back to Madripoor. Um, I thought it was super cool, and I was I really enjoyed all the sequences that we had there. Um, after this, we go to a brief scene back in Berlin, Germany. Um, John and Battlestar are at the prison that Zemo broke out of, and they basically realize that um, Sam and Bucky broke out Zemo. But they're not going to tell anyone because they're just trying to figure out, you know, all this flag smasher stuff and they want to use it to their advantage. Um, and John Walker at one point says to Battlestar, he says something along the lines of like, you think if we get the job done, they're going to sweat us for the details, you know? So he's willing to do whatever, whatever it takes to solve the mission. He doesn't really care what happens. And so more kind of like John Walker's, I feel like he's losing his cool a little bit and he's just... All he wants to do is, is finish the job, finish the mission. doesn't matter what the costs are. doesn't matter what it takes at this point. Indeed. Yeah, I still hate him. Yep, same. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're going to do to make him likable other than... Kill I mean, him. Sa- sacrifice his life yeah, for just to save everyone die. else, probably. Just I mean, gotta die. Know. Yeah, yeah. I think he's gonna like try to be good. People won't trust him after he's been such a dick, and then he'll sacrifice himself to save Bucky or Sam or someone, and that'll be the last of him. But we'll see. Um, the next sequence I was kind of hinting at earlier. We go to a GRC supply depot in Lithuania, and Carly and the Flag Smashers basically break in. They tie up all of the GRC kind of soldiers and people working there. Um, and they steal six months' worth of supplies that they want to bring to some refugees that were obviously affected by the blip. And they're like, you had six months of supplies just sitting there, and they're all upset about it. Which to me, I don't know, six months doesn't seem like that much if you're kind of trying to ration things out. But, you know, at the beginning of this episode, obviously we're trying to feel sympathetic for the flag or for the flag smashers and obviously all these people that were displaced after the blip. But now I think is where you're, where I get the idea that the super soldier serum might have a little bit of a psychotic twist to it because all these alive soldiers are in there. They're tied up, and then she blows up a car bomb and lights the place on fire. So basically all these GRC people are just going to burn to death. And so that was kind of the twist on the Flag Smashers where they kind of went – I was really feeling sympathetic, and I was like, holy shit, that's kind of fucked. Yeah. She says something, though, that um... – like her response when someone basically says says you know that was intense a uh, little too much there crazy girl uh was like that's the only language they understand or something to that effect and yeah um you know i i uh have a hard time like i'm not about to light a building full of tied up people on fire obviously but i also haven't lived through whatever hell of a world she lived through and so um i could see how they're trying to you know make them seem less you know sympathetic but yeah i get what she's saying there as well i think this is just the beginning of that escalation and it's gonna get crazy to a point where nobody will find them sympathetic but um 
they definitely bookend it though, right? So like before all this happens, we we have like a quick scene in the middle there where she's talking to one of the flag smashers and they're like, What what would you be in like a normal life? Blah blah blah. And she like wanted to be like a teacher of maybe yeah. art or history. Uh, but she ended up in Madripoor because after the blip, you know, she just couldn't survive, right? And so she went someplace where she could. Um, and that's that's when we find the name Mama Danya Madanya. Um pop up and we don't know who that is exactly their relationship obviously someone important to carly morgenthau but uh you know they humanize her and then they show her lighting everyone on fire right so (laughs) you get both ends of it and it's really hard to kind of understand where you feel on it yeah man i'm still i don't so in the very brief moment before the car explodes um the WRC people that seem to be hostages. And correct me if I'm misremembering, but they seemed like kind of like burly, like security people. And they seemed kind of like assholes, right? I mean, they're well, I mean, like, think of it as being um, uh, what is it uh, like UN UN like peacekeeping soldiers, right? That's what I see them as. And so if you think about it, the Flag Smashers are a terrorist group, according to the world, right? They 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 break in, they people die, they steal stuff, you know, and 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 move on, right? And so same with like, the Avengers, though, right? Like what you just described, the Avengers do the exact same thing, only they're treated completely differently. Yeah. They break in somewhere, they take something, and people die. One man's terrorist is another man's revolutionary, right? Right. And so I guess like if you if you tie up all these soldiers, right, and from like the world's perspective, you're a terrorist group, which I think we can't even argue that they aren't, right? Put the Avengers part aside. They'd be like, yeah, you flag smasher scum, you know, kind of thing. Um so I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, whatever whatever way you want to look at it, there's different ways to look at it for sure. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm still I'm still at this point, I'm going to give the Flag Smashers the benefit of the doubt because we have not seen enough about specifically what the WRC has done that is... Uh, the GRC, my friend. GRC. What did I say? Yeah, you, w. Said, you said W-R-C. World Rally. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Cross. GRC. Yeah. Uh, so, we haven't really seen what they've done yet. So, I'm... Look, I'm not... Maybe I'm I'm not gonna Eric's not condoning lighting an entire warehouse full of soldiers on fire. He's just saying we haven't seen both sides of it. Yeah. And sometimes Sometimes violence Yeah. Yeah, sometimes Sometimes violence violence is is the answer. Like it's a necessary. I mean (laughs) Alrighty. Um The last scene, which was interesting, is another one in Riga, Latvia. So we're back in Latvia um, and there's actually there's like this really small conversation that I felt like they kind of glossed over, but had some important information in it. Zemo basically says that Sokovia was erased from the map once it fell and was taken over by its neighbors. And he's like, I bet you guys didn't even take the time to like view the memorial. So it seems like Sokovia no longer really exists. Um, you know, whatever countries are surrounding it probably absorbed it, which kind of goes to a lot of the Eastern European history that we've all experienced in our, in our real life, you know, not in the Marvel universe, um, lots of changing borders and whatnot, but it's also kind of a conversation around like what we were talking about earlier, you know, the Avengers have this huge fight with Ultron and obviously we don't really see 
the consequences of that, but that is one of them. This country doesn't even exist anymore. Um, this is why I don't think Latvia is Latveria, because what he said, uh, quote, I heard what became of Sokovia, cannibalized by its neighbors before the land was cleared of rubble, erased from the map, end quote. So they're in Latvia when he's saying this. Um, I think, think Latveria took over, huh? I think Latveria is one of the neighbors that cannibalized uh, Sokovia before it was cleared of rubble. Oh, okay. um, I like that okay. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like um, it. So this this kind of where the episode ends and, and twists a little bit. Bucky's like, he's like, uh, you guys go on ahead. I'll I'll be there in a minute. And he starts going on a walk because he notices something and he finds like these little black like tracer ball kind of things that are beeping. I'm not really sure what they are exactly. And he finds one and he keeps walking. He finds another. He walks into this alley and then to seemingly no one, he says, you dropped something. I was wondering when you were going to show up. And then the camera pans around and you see one of the Dora Milaje of of the Black Panther and Wakanda. And she just says, I'm here for Zemo in Wakandan. And then boom, the episode ends. And I was super hype on that. Uh, I wasn't expecting anyone from Wakanda to show up, but it completely makes sense seeing as Zemo killed their former king. So kind of a big deal. And, you know, the Wakandans aren't going to take that lightly. So that was a super cool ending, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it does really make me wonder how much, if any, Black Panther talk we are going to get. And if we are going to get an idea of, um, you know, what is going to happen with that character now. Um, although I guess this was probably filmed a while ago, right? Do you, do we probably know? It depends. Cause I mean, we obviously don't know what their shooting schedule was. Um, but you know, they were filming, I'm sure before pandemic and maybe after, um, let me see if I can find when they started shooting. When did Chadwick Boseman? August twenty eighth of twenty twenty. Yeah, well, oh yeah. yeah, okay. So this would have been filmed before that then. Let's see when filming started. Writing, writing, writing. Filming started. Filming of the six-episode miniseries began on October 31st, yep. 2019 in Atlanta and moved to the oh, Czech wow. Republic in March of 2020. So this was filmed long before he died. Now, whether or not they knew, because like very right, few people knew right. he was sick. Man, what if Feige didn't Kevin, know? Yeah. If Kevin Feige didn't know, nobody knew. Yeah, pretty much. So Yeah, no one at Marvel Studios knew about it, not even the director. That's, man... Oh, man, this is hitting me right in the feels all over again. Yeah. Like, man, oh, man. So it's possible. We'll see. We'll see how much more of a Wakanda reference is there. I still think Steve is showing up, but my second guess is not necessarily Black Panther, but someone more important from Wakanda showing up as a bigger cameo. Yeah, I could see Shuri for sure. Shuri showing up for sure, yeah. I'm going to say Black Panther just because of how mind-blowing people have said the apparently have said yeah how big the cameo is going to be the world is not done with you yet yeah i've seen some stuff with him in it 
recently, Marvel stuff that kind of threw me for a loop. And it wasn't anything like important. It was like the Marvel Brady Bunch thing, like on TikTok he was in. Oh, that's really um, old though. That's a really old. Okay, video. yeah, but it shows that like they were filming him quite a bit. I mean, it had to be really. He's he's been gone for half a year. Um, I think that came out when Civil War came out. Yeah, I don't know. There's just yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Black Panther. I mean, that would it's be un- unreal. I would love it. Bring it on, man. Bring it on. That'd be crazy. That if, if I I would. I want to believe it, but I can't because I just, I don't know. I can't imagine them keeping it secret that there's one more cameo with Black Panther and none of us knew. Yeah. It'd be wild, Maybe it's though. for me hoping that it is him. Yeah, I would, that, would, that would be what I would want, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, gentlemen, any last words before we go in and rate this episode? Did Bucky kill people in that bar fight? I think he did. I think he did too. <laughs> if not, he seriously maimed them. Yeah. He definitely broke rule number two or whatever yes. the one was where he can't hurt people, yes. but he's been constantly breaking that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if Bucky's just a straight up murderer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're all kind of scum people, though. It's like, true. You'd, they're all like murderers and shit. So it's like, eh. Do you really think Bucky is a, a scroll after the the end of that episode? Like, how would a well, don't how would they yeah, I don't think he's a scroll. I just think he's poorly written and it's yeah. not consistent. Nah, like, I think nah, the end of that scroll. episode completely wipes out that I that theory because, like, I don't know if he would even know what a Wakandan what a scroll would even know what a Wakandan is, let alone pick up on those t- like tiny, minuscule little things that like. Falcon and and uh, Zemo didn't pick up on. Nah, he's a scroll. <laughs> Man, if he is, the writing is just like really getting worse. Like, did uh, what's what's their name from Game of Thrones get hired by? They did get hired by Disney, but for Star Wars, not for this, right? Yeah, they, they're not even doing Star Wars anymore. Yeah, fuck that. Oh yeah, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As we do on the Infinity Watch podcast, we rate whatever we're watching and talking about out of six whole unadulterated Infinity Stones. Chris, you are our guest today. We will let you rate first. What are you giving this episode out of six Infinity Stones? Um, I'm going to give it a... Okay, so like a six would be if Wolverine showed up somehow. Uh, <laughs> trying to think if it's either a four or five um i'll give it a you know i'll i'll give it a five um because so early on in the episode i was so done with this show and how quickly like within a minute within a minute of me having that thought um it brought me back um yeah i'll give it a five uh i really liked madripoor a lot um yeah, Eric, I think you're right. Hit the nail on the head. It felt super cyberpunk. Uh, I liked seeing uh, Sharon Carter a lot. I liked how badass she was and how. Yeah, you know, I'll give it five. I don't need to keep. All talking. right, five from <laughs> nice. Chris. Eric, over to you, buddy. What are you going to give this episode out of six Infinity Stones? 
I'm, I think it's going to get a three from me. And it's not to say I did like it. Um, but Jesus Christ, this fucking writing and this, and this characterization is just so, uh, inconsistent. Inconsistent is a great word for it. Yes. It's just, un. It's like below the standard that I'm used to for Marvel, way below. Um, yeah, and I and but but I did like like the action in this episode was miles better than the action in the last episode for sure. Um, I'm very intrigued by Sharon Carter. I think you guys are probably dead on. She is probably the the power broker, and that'll be cool. Um. Yeah, it's like there was a lot I liked in this episode, but it just feels like this feels like the rough draft of what could be a really great show. Yeah, it's just not quite polished. Yeah. Um, in the sense of how it should be. I, I agree. And and inconsistent is how I feel with a lot of it. Um, okay, three from Eric. Um, I would say... So I guess I'll start off with my rating and then kind of go back to how how I got there. If I could do halves, which I can't, I would probably say this was a solid four and a half for me. Um, but I totally can't justify going up to a five in my head. So I'm going to go with a four. Um, the last episode was absolutely a two. And, and so this one was a big step up. Yes, totally. It, it got me a little more excited for this show, right? Um, to me, the main, the main plus is Zemo, fantastic. Um, breath of fresh air in this show. How all the scenes with him, I thought were great. So, you know, that took up a big, huge portion of this show, right? Um, we got a lot of new information about the super soldier serum and all this stuff, how it exists. Some of the plot threads that I were like, geez, like what the hell's going on are coming together. I still think it's a little inconsistent and choppy between like, you know, some of the flag smasher back end stuff. There was like a lot of quick scenes that I wasn't super, you know, a, a big fan of because it just, it's all over the place. Um, but we got Madripoor. Madripoor was awesome. Um, the Winter Soldier sequence, fantastic. Action there was was awesome, on par with Winter Soldier, you know, movie type action when he was fighting in the bar. Um, lots of really good jokes this episode. Um, the quips between Zemo and Sam and Bucky were great. Uh, Sharon Carter's back. I, you know, I think she's the power broker. So I'll save my fives and sixes for when that gets revealed at some point. Um, but to me, it's like, I was like solid four and a half for sure. Um, it just, it felt like the story was coming together, even though it was a little more inconsistent. And I think the Dora Milaje showing up at the end brought it from like a four to a four and a half where I was like, Ooh, this is getting close to a five, but not mm-hmm. quite there. It's just a lot of stuff is kind of coming together in a nicer way than the last two episodes were by far. And so yeah. I, I have to double up for my two last week. This is a four. I'm more excited about this show now. And so I hope it keeps getting better um, and that we get more of the good things that we had in this episode in the next three. Because now we are halfway done with the series. There's three left. So um, hopefully it just kind of had a rough start, like some people felt with WandaVision. And now it's kind of on that upper trend uh, when we're kind of getting to the climax and then the resolution of this story. So yeah. solid four from me. I think the the difference between this and WandaVision was that the first two episodes of WandaVision were manufactured to be a certain way and and not and be hiding everything from you. The, the Falcon and Winter Soldier is just poorly written. Yeah. Yeah, you it's know, just not so. it's not where it needs to be. That's yeah. 
that's definitely for sure. Um, but it is weird because it's weird to have certain action sequences be really poor and certain ones to be really good. You know, in that first episode, that Winter Soldier action sequence where he's actually the Winter Soldier still and it's the past was phenomenal. But like you would assume the same people are working on all these sequences. So it's like, why are some so great? And then some of them so like stilted and weird and feel cheap. Um, it doesn't really make sense because we got some great ones in this episode. So, you know, it's very inconsistent and I can't think of another word to describe it. Yeah. You know what I just realized we did not uh, touch on at all as just speaking of another very brief fight sequence that I thought was really good was when Zemo donned his mask and beat some ass. And yeah. I, I fucking no, yeah, loved he was that. Awesome. He, yeah, that was great. He really, yeah. and that's another one. He's kind of inexplicably good at like at fucking people up for uh, yeah. for no I mean, reason, really. I mean, we do forget he was on like a an elite death squad in Sokovia of some sort. Oh, was right? he? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was he was like like a like an ops soldier. Okay, all right. He's fair. basically got like Batman's resume, right? Like he, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like some rich dude who has all this stuff that he can, you know, pull in money he can pull from. Plus, he was part of some weird death squad in foreign country, and so it's like there you go, boom. I have Bruce a Wayne. particular set of skills. Yeah, <laughs> that was the worst. I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. It's um, much just, easier doing the Baron Zemo voice. Yeah. I have a pati- particular set of skills, yeah. So <laughs> this is bit. this is totally random, but um, you know, I re- I read a lot about these episodes on like IGN and Screen Rant and whatever, uh, and I just wanted to throw this out here. I always have like a ton of tabs open when we're doing this podcast. And one of the articles, uh, just because it had a quote, the the cannibalized by its neighbors quote, I kept up during this podcast. IGN, the uh, ad blocker, blocked like 30 ads and, you know, screen ramp was at 50. The direct.com is currently at seven. Oh, it just jumped. 7,573 blocked ads. What? Since we started this podcast. So whatever you do, if you do not have ad blocker, do not go to the direct.com because apparently it'll just shut down your computer That's with ads. Fucking insane. Yeah. Jeez. My God. Wow. Oh my gosh. Internet, man. Just wild. Yeah. All right. Um let's move on to recommendations. Chris, what do you got for us this week? Anything to recommend? So uh, I was talking about this earlier that I didn't think I had any media to recommend because I'm currently training for an ultra marathon that I want to do in fall. And my life has been made up of working, eating, sleeping and running. And so I am going to recommend running. Um, it's uh, It's been taking up a lot of my time lately, but it also has been, you know, somewhat therapeutic uh, somewhat, um, there are definitely days I don't want to run like a lot. <laughs> uh, and you know, you Every get out day and you for me, do buddy. it. And once you do it, you feel a lot better about yourself. Plus it's, um, you know, some days, uh, it's a nice, you know, one to two to three hours that you just have to yourself. You can listen to podcasts, which I've done. You can listen to music. You can listen to nothing and think about nothing. It's I don't know. It, and there are definitely times that I'm running where I hate it, 
And then during the same run, it's like, you know, two miles down the road, I'm feeling great. And it's just a, I don't know, there's like, it's been good. It's been good. I've been doing it for, I'm on my sixth, sixth week. So it's been a heck of a lot more than just, you know, a few here and there. I just did my first half marathon last weekend and I'm going to do another one tomorrow, probably. Jesus um, Christ. And, uh, yeah, it's running, man. Check it out. You get to, when you run 40, <laughs> check it out. 40 miles. Check it out. Of, check yeah, it check out. it out. Check out running. <laughs> and when you run 40 miles a week, you get to eat whatever the fuck you want. True. Like it's, I it's think you, you probably bad. ran more in the last month than I will in the rest of my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy though. Good for you though, man. That's that's an accomplishment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Running multiple half marathons in a week. <laughs> Seems like my personal version of hell, but it's an accomplishment <laughs> and it's not easy to do. So good on you, man. That's awesome. Check running out. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Check running out. Oh, oh man. Dude. All right. <laughs> Eric, what do you got for us this week? Hope it's not pull-ups. It's not, it's not pull-ups. Uh pull-ups are one of my least favorite workouts, but it's just because I'm ba- I'm bad at them. Um, but uh, have I already recommended on this show the video game Blue Fire? Or did I just talk about it? I don't think we've done Blue Fire. Which one? No. Okay. No, you haven't done this. Okay. One. So, because I'm trying not to, I think I've kept to this. I'm trying not to recommend things until I complete them um with you know the odd exception but so i i finally beat the video game blue fire the other day um this is kind of like if if the game hollow knight had a baby with the game the legend of zelda um it's like a 3d it's got that kind of like hollow knight aesthetic um it's mostly a platformer with some action and it's super good it took me about like 18 hours to finish which is as an adult is becoming my ideal game length like 20 hours is like perfect because that's like it's long enough to have some depth but it's not gonna suck 50 plus hours of my life um so that's like ideal um really fun some of the platforming got pretty challenging um yeah super like I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, it's kind of like an indie studio, I believe. Um, it was like it was a super good game. Uh, so if you are into either uh, Legend of Zelda and the era of, I would say, like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, if you're into like that version of Legend of Zelda and or Hollow Knight, I would highly recommend the game Blue Fire. Uh, I think there's an extremely high chance you'll enjoy it. I will say the first hour or so um maybe even a little less than the first hour it's like the first area you start in um it's not super it didn't blow me away but then like it it really opens up um you start to meet more npcs there's like a little village it it, it really became something i wasn't expecting at all and um for for the better i i was a huge fan so yeah blue fire is my recommendation boom yeah so the beginning of the game is is like the beginning of this show it's not <laughs> yeah, that great yeah, but kinda. then starting to improve hopefully it gets to a lot better maybe they'll add some npcs to the show you never know hey <laughs> um all right 
I haven't been consuming a lot of media, and so I was like, what am I going to recommend? I don't want to not recommend something. Um, and so I have a recommendation for our Lord and Savior, Kevin Feige, once again. I'd just like to take this moment to have a very intimate conversation with him. And that's don't kill all of your villains. Yes. Um, I think that this show is a beacon for that whole concept in that they could have easily killed Zemo. Like they killed so many villains in the movies, but then we wouldn't have like these interesting ongoing, you know, storylines that we can introduce. Obviously he's this bad guy, but like we have this really cool dynamic of him working with these, with these good guys. And it just, it's a really interesting storyline. I still think one of the biggest mistakes of the MCU is killing off Ulysses claw in black Panther. Um, I just loved that character. And I thought that, um, what's his name? Uh, Andy circus, like Andy circus played that character so well in age of Ultron and in black Panther. And then they just like killed him off for really no good reason at all for the story. Um, and that was always a big disappointment to me because I love that character. Um, and so I'm so glad that they didn't kill Zemo. It's this, this episode has just been so good because of Zemo. And so I'm looking forward to more Zemo, but I really hope that they continue to not really just kill off the bad guy in every single movie, because that's one of the things that's really cool in the comics is, okay, maybe like this bad guy fights Captain America in this movie, but then like later on, maybe he's like in a Spider-Man thing or something, you know, you never know what it's going to be. But if you get rid of all these characters, then you don't have that opportunity. And so Kevin, don't kill all the bad guys because they're pretty cool sometimes. And so, that Both is my recommendations from Black Panther. I wish they wouldn't have killed off. Yeah, it just yeah, I don't know why yeah. they did that. But, yeah, uh, killing off Michael B. Jordan is uh, that is a tragic mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Eric Killmonger is yeah man. If he could come back, that'd be amazing. We hey, will see. I'm sure, they could figure it out. Yeah. We really wouldn't care as long as the story was good. True. Right? So right. true. Alrighty, folks, if you want to reach out to us, tell us what you're thinking about this episode, hit us up at Infinity Rewatch on Twitter, or you can shoot us an email at the Infinity Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget the the and FIFA leave you with this episode and say fuck the billionaires <laughs> from Barrett's Even if all. I'm one of them, yeah. Fuck them all. I might be one of them. <laughs> Baron Zemo is a billionaire from Sokovia. You know, it's not a country anymore. So sad. Oh, Thanks man. for listening. <laughs>